or you go to some of the Psalms, and I think I've shown you this before, but in one of the Psalms, he talks about praising God and having joy at the same time as he's weeping and in despair. And, and sometimes that happens. You know, that in the, in the pain of life, we feel something of the confidence in the goodness of God. Now, as I was thinking about this, I thought about praising. And praise is one of the things that we do to enjoy, to have joy in God. Now, imagine up the road, Thoman Park, or you could go down to the TUS Gaelic Grounds. But you go up to Thoman Park, it's a big European match. Now, for those of you who haven't been to a rugby match yes, uh, yet, you've got to realize you've got to go to one of the big ones. You know, and Noemi's been to a few, but the, the biggest one, so it's either Leinster or the European Games. Those are the two ones you've got to go to. Now, it's a great occasion. The whole place is packed out. And, and actually, one of the things that's amazing about it is there's lots of music. So this choir comes out before the game, and there's an opera singer, seriously, and she sings the tune of Carmen, and it goes, stand up and fight. And, and like the whole place erupts. It's brilliant. When the team come out before the game, there's uh, the cranberries playing. And when things are going well and everyone's excited, we burst into singing. We sing the Fields of Athenry, even though Athenry is in Connacht rather than Munster, but that's still, you know, that's off limits to talk about that. But could you imagine going up to Thoman Park and saying, look, guys, would you mind not singing? Could we just do one? I just, I need one match where you don't sing. Would they be happy with you? No. Because we th sing about things we're excited about, don't we? We sing about things we're excited about. Don't tell Caroline. Caroline's on her way to Dublin this morning delivering the kids to a camp. But um, I sometimes sing over the dog. You know, I get excited about the dog and I'll sing a little, make up a little song about the dog because I, I love her. It just comes naturally. How many mothers, you know, uh, Nisi now at home with the, the new baby? Mothers love to sing over their, their, their kids. It comes naturally. It's something that we want to do. And in the scriptures, we're commanded to sing about our God because he's great. You know that singing is actually good for you. Singing, uh, I looked this up, singing reduces stress, improves your mental health. It actually has this proven effect of bonding people together. That's why they do it at you know, rugby grounds or Gaelic grounds. It bonds people together. That's one of the things that we do when we sing with each other, is we're forming a connection as we, we Focus our praise in God. And there's one other thing that it does, and this is why I'm glad that Caroline's not here. It actually can help your snoring. It can take away your snoring. I think it tightens the muscles. Uh, yes, I see Coos has been given out to Estelle. Um, so maybe you need to sing more. Of course, singing's not the only way we praise God. We can praise God with our words in prayer. I think sometimes that when it comes to prayer, um, praise is like the Cinderella of prayer. You know, because we rush to bring him our requests. Sometimes we rush when we feel guilty, but we need to discipline ourselves to praise. And that's the first thing that we see in this psalm. 
The first thing we see in the psalm is that the psalmist says, praise, or depending which translation you use, praise or bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, ask yourself the question, who is speaking to who? David, who wrote this psalm, is speaking to his own soul. David is speaking to David, and he's commanding himself to do this. You see, sometimes it comes naturally to praise God. You may feel excited about something you've heard, and it comes naturally, and you're in the mood. But other times it doesn't. When I was struggling with depression, and it was quite deep, I could feel nothing for God. But one day I was down in the People's Park, and I told myself to praise God. And I walked around that park singing, Jesus Be the Center. Partly because it was the only song that came to my mind. I'm not sure the wisdom I've talked to people, was that a good idea or a bad idea? I think it was the right thing to do. Because sometimes we, we praise him, and he is worthy of praise, even when we don't feel it. Sometimes we feel like praising, and James says in his epistle, he says, if anyone is happy, let him sing. But sometimes we have to tell ourselves. And I think that that also has a positive effect on us because he's telling himself to praise God. He's taking control of his emotions, his feelings. And and often what happens, and you see this in the book of Psalms, sometimes the act of praising God itself affects your mood. So you don't just praise when you're in the mood, but sometimes you go to God not in the mood and you praise, and it may affect your mood. It may lift you. It often has that effect. But what I love about the Psalms is that they're actually very realistic because some of you have been in places where it's felt so dark that no matter what, you still feel in the pits. And the end of Psalm 88, which is a song, it's the darkest of the Psalms, says that darkness is my only friend, my closest friend. And that's sometimes how we feel. But even in the midst of that, we seek to praise God. So why don't we do, oh, I should say also, uh, I I like reading this guy, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones, this is quite helpful. He says, often we listen to ourselves too much and we don't speak to ourselves enough. Think of the condemning voices that come into your head. Think of your doubts that come into your head. And the way you deal with them, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a medical doctor as well as a preacher, was he said, you speak to yourself, speak the gospel. And so even in your darkness, there's a time to praise God. And this is what he's saying. And then the second thing we go, and we'll go quicker through the verses, there's so much in this passage. But he says, forget not all his benefits in verse 2. And the thing that struck me about that was that forgetfulness is the enemy of praise. We're tending to forget things. The the Christian faith is actually a religion of remembering. Look what we're going to do later on. We're given the Lord's Supper, which helps us remember because we're prone to forget. We're prone to forget because we look at everything else and and we push God to a side. And he says, don't forget. Keep reminding yourself of the goodness of God. 
And then he lists some of the things. And I just love this. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with love and compassion. I've been wondering about that one even this morning. Who crowns you with love and compassion. Does that mean with love and compassion he crowns you? Or he crowns you with love and compassion? What do you think, Bob? (laughs) Don't pick up me in the middle of the sermon. But does that make sense? That maybe it's with love and compassion he crowns you, that he makes us loving and compassionate, and it shows. Who renews your life, who satisfies your desires. And I love verse 6, because it's not just we're praising God for what he does for us. We're praising God because he is a God who loves the oppressed. And we have people here this morning who have come from Ukraine and other places, and, and they have been oppressed and they have fled, and and, and the church wants to show God's concern in that situation. Because it matters to God, and it matters to us. That's the kind of God He is. One of the things, too, that I was thinking about when I was going through those verses is the fact that all these find their fulfillment in the cross of Jesus Christ. Why do we know we're forgiven? We know we're forgiven because Jesus has taken our punishment on the cross. In the Old Testament, it was still not yet revealed fully how this would happen. He heals us. You know, uh, there will be a day when every illness will be gone, every sickness gone. And sometimes now he gives us a foretaste of that. But the ultimate healing will come at the end. And sometimes now we still pray and we sometimes see that healing, but one day the whole disease will be gone. How does it happen? Because Jesus has died for our sin. And now we're promised that in him we'll be raised with bodies no longer subject to weakness. It all comes through the cross. Redeem. You know, to redeem things. I was trying to think how, how you would have a good illustration of this in our culture. Uh, do you remember there used to be things called pawn shops? You would hand something in, you know, no, and you had to go back and you had to buy it back again. Or if you get a prize, you go and you redeem the prize, you give the ticket. And, and what this is telling us is that we were lost from God. We were, we were astray and on our own and condemned. And, and God paid a price to bring us back to himself. And that price was the death of his son, Jesus Christ. All this finds it's... it's, it's, it's and, and so when we praise, it's natural that the, the majority of our songs are going to think about Jesus and his cross. Because that's the center of our message. The Apostle Paul can sum up everything he says by the words saying, I preach Christ crucified. That's why most of our songs will have some reference to the cross in them. But then what I love also is that we don't just praise God for what he has done. We praise God for who he is. You know, isn't that, you know, we want people to like us for who we are, not just what we do. And, and with God, who he is is amazing. This, you'll find these next verses in a number of places in the, in the Old Testament. This is the center of who our God is. Listen to these words. The Lord is compassionate. You see compassion of Jesus all over the Gospels. And gracious. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. 
He is slow to anger. It's not that he doesn't get anger, angry, but his anger is so different than ours. Our anger flares up in a moment and it's normally selfish. It's normally because someone has tampered with the way we want things to be or our pride is hurt. Most of our anger, certainly most of my anger, is self-absorbed anger. I get angry because uh, you know, I want my way and I'm selfish. God's anger is different. He gets slow to anger. anger. He's slow to anger. Think of uh, the things that make him angry, the sin we do to each other, the, 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 the damage we do. He's, uh, he's not capricious. He is not vengeful in that sense and only in a holy sense, but he's not, he's not petty. He's always good, even in his anger. He's good and angry, but he's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. And then he does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's grace. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. That's saying you can't measure it. I'm really struggling at the moment to feel that in my own life. Because when we think about God loving us, what we tend to do is we tend to think, you know, what would make me loving? You know, why would you love me? And we look within our hearts and we see loads of reasons why God wouldn't want to love us. But God loves us because He is love because it flows out of his character, because he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And he sees us as his people who are lovely because Jesus has taken away all that sin. But it comes from his heart. And so when you think and you sit back and you think, but does God love me? You got to not look at yourself, but look at him because it's rooted in Him. It's not deserved by you. If you look for reasons for why God should love you, you'll see reasons why He shouldn't love you. But it comes from His character and His goodness. It comes actually rooted in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always loving one another for all eternity. Didn't make man because He was lonely, but because He wanted that love to be shared. That's the type of God we have. And we ask as a prayer in Ephesians 3 that says, pray for one another that God might show each of us how much God loves us. It's one of the most important things we need in our lives. And then from that, I love the fact he, he uh, remembers things like our, our lives are short, but God's love is eternal. And then the other thing, too, is he, he tells other people, including the angels, to do his praise. I've just got a couple of things to finish on that. So C.S. Lewis, the writer of Narnia, before he became a Christian, he used to struggle with the idea that God would command people to praise. As Bruna said, you know, if I said, praise me, that would seem strange. So why does God tell us to praise him? Well, because he's God. Because it's right. It puts things in the right order. But also because it's good for us. C.S. Lewis looked at, you know, like take Lucas and Bruna. They're just married. 
I hope, Lucas, that, that they enjoy speaking good words to one another. And C.S. Lewis looked and he said, you know, even in romance, and Ithaca is looking at Cyprian, so I'm hoping, you know, he should. But, but I'm, I'm hoping that, that you see that, and C.S. Lewis said, that there's almost a level in which love is incomplete until it's expressed. Because when you love things, you want to speak. You get joy from speaking. And God in His goodness, who says, yes, it is morally right to sing my praises, but I am the God who needs nothing. It's morally right to sing your my praises, he says to us, but you know what? It's also for your good because it will give you joy because God's holy commands are always consistent with the good of his people. And then, before I give you some hints on how to, to do this, one of the things that makes our life small is that we focus in on ourselves all the time. We're, we're self-obsessed. If I came here with a, a bunch of photographs from the weekend away, who's the first person you look for? Yourself, to see how you look. Well, we sit here wondering what people think of us. But it's actually torture. Our, our self-obsession is torture at times. It makes our world small. But what happens when you praise something bigger than yourself? So I think the nicest place I've ever been was the Victoria Falls. I was at a wedding in Zimbabwe, a friend of mine. We went down to Victoria Falls. Now myself and Caroline were standing there, and I'll tell you what didn't happen. We did not look at the Victoria Falls and go, aren't I great? It's not about us. But there's a freedom, isn't there, in being wowed by something that's bigger than you? The Grand Canyon. You don't go, aren't I great? You go, isn't that great? And if you're a Christian, you go, isn't God great? Because it's pointing to him. And isn't there a feeling, like, don't we pay money to go see those sites because it gives us something that frees us? that gives us an awe beyond ourselves. And so there's a freedom in praising God. It takes us away from our narrow focus, always on me. And it enables us to focus on something bigger and better than ourselves that is supposed to give us joy. And the great thing about that is that that creator God loves you, as this psalm says, in a way that can't be measured. So how do we praise God? Well, I've been thinking about this, and I've got a couple of ideas, and then we're going to pray together. I started thinking about this in terms of, you know, I think when I come to praise, it's very quick that in my prayer time, well, first of all, can I say singing? Singing is good. I know not all of you like to sing. Some of you have a voice that is to the upfront. Other you, of you have a voice for the shower or the car. But sing. 
learn songs. You don't even have to learn songs. You know, sometimes I try to make up songs. I know that sounds a bit stupid, but just you're driving in the car and you try to sing something about God. Think about his goodness. Sing. God has wired us. I'm not sure why God enabled me or you to sing for any other reason than to sing his praises. Uh, maybe to sing at Thoman Park as well, but I'm not sure that's hugely a part of God's design. So sing, but also say, speak those prayers. And we have a little acronym that we sometimes use for prayer, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And what I've done is I've, what I do is I try to do this thing called the 40, right? I've made this up, right? So the 40 is this, before I move on to confession from adoration, what I do is I try to think of 10 things to praise God for. You know, so I'm not rushing into, you know, and, and what I do, and then I move on to 10 things to confess and 10 things to thank God for, and then 10 things to what supplication to ask God for. And it gives a balance to my prayer. But what I will say is, you know, you don't want your prayer to be sort of a, an automatic, you know, sort of rule driven. So, so I allow myself going tangents. And I'm prone to tangents, but I'll start with adoration. And as I'm, you know, on my third, and I use my fingers, you see, because you've been given 10 fingers, as most of us, I, I hope. But, um, but, you know, say I'm a number three and I go at a tangent, I bring myself back and I continue on praying from there. I find that 40 helpful to give, because there is a sense in which praise is the Cinderella of prayer, so one that we ignore. The other thing, too, is sometimes it's difficult to get the difference between thanksgiving and praise. One writer was saying that thanksgiving is a little bit less than praise because thanksgiving still focused on me. You know, thank you for what you did for me, whereas praise is focused on him. But I also think that you can make your thanksgiving praise. So thank you for forgiving me because you are a God who forgives. Thank you for redeeming me because you are the God. Thank you for uh, providing for me because that's your nature. So sometimes we move thanksgiving to praise. And as we finish, what I'm going to challenge you to do now is close your eyes and shout out praises to God, less than a sentence, a sentence or less.
at the end of the psalm, he, um, he tells the angels to praise, creation to praise. You see, we, we, when we see something worthy of worship or praise, we want other people to experience it. That's why my wife, Caroline, she sends me reels. You know, she sees some funny cat video. She wants me to enjoy it. You go to a restaurant. You want, you know, if it's good, you, you want to bring someone you, you love back so that they can see it. And when you see the beauty of the person of Jesus, you want other people to see it. It's a motivation for evangelism, isn't it? That we want other people to see what we have found in Jesus Christ. That we have been found in Jesus Christ. So we stand and we sing, here is love. No, not here is love. Oh, I got that wrong. Just verse 2, sorry. On the Mount of, oh, of course, because we're moving into, that's a good idea, moving into the Lord's Supper on the Mount of Crucifixion.